So um, I decided that I would kick off my new series next week, which means today we have a standalone message. And uh, as I pondered what to bring, I thought, now who doesn't love a good story? And so I chose the story and, you know, prayerfully sought and attempted to extract something from it that I hope will be helpful practically uh, and hopefully it will be inspiring. I've chosen one of my favourite New Testament stories from the book of Acts. And it's the day that Paul and Silas find themselves thrown into jail. Just for going about their daily business of, of serving the Lord and, and preaching the gospel and helping people. But if you remember the story, they chose to sing their bold praises at the midnight hour. And God dramatically came to their rescue. Now, I first preached on this passage in Collingwood, Ontario, at Living Faith Christian Church. And the backdrop to that is, is for some reason unbeknown to me, in Collingwood, Ontario, held a very large annual Elvis Festival. <laughs> now, and I kind of scratch my head, really, because those of you who don't know their geography, Collingwood, Ontario is a very long way from Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> But anyway, each to their own. And I've been warned that this was kind of a, a black hole weekend, really. And I was thinking, hang on a minute, but you can see the crowd. That was, down that road there was our church. I'm thinking, the crowds are coming. What could possibly go wrong? But the problem was that the, the town held a, a gospel uh, service that, that Sunday morning. And so not only did all the visitors go to that, but you couldn't park within a million miles of but anyway, undeterred the first time I thought we shall press on and I thought it's what a great opportunity. So that, that Sunday morning, I picked my message, it was into a series that was called Faith Speaks and I thought, and it was going to be on this passage, so I called it The Night the Jailhouse Rocked. <laughs> Which if you're really old like me, or even older, if that's indeed possible, then, then you'll get that. To make it even better, I, I'm racking my brain. I think that night, Sunday night, I preached a message called, Are You Lonesome Tonight? <laughs> stunningly, stunningly. Even that did not bring in the crowd. And I understood why people got frustrated uh, with Elvis Festival. Anyway, so this story really comes in five parts. The first part uh, is how the Holy Spirit specifically led Paul and Silas to that place at that time, and then you'll see that's significant. And then the second part is, is how they found themselves in the pickle that they did. The third part is, is what then Paul and Silas decided to do. The fourth part is what that then sparked and, and God then did. And then part five is, is the aftermath, which was God at work in remarkable and surprising Ways. I'm going to come back to the first one on that list in a minute, but let's start at number two. Uh, we've got Paul and Silas ministering in the region of Macedonia in, in a city called Philippi, which you might have heard of. Um, so I'm picking up in Acts chapter 16, and it's verse 16, and it goes like this. Are you sitting comfortably? Then I shall forget. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, 
We met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God and they've come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon with him that I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities of the marketplace. The whole city is in uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Okay, so there's four thoughts that I'm going to draw out of this passage, and the first one is this. The Holy Spirit will lead you into the purposes of God, not necessarily the comfort of your own soul. Just ask Jesus as he contended in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now I said the story came in five parts, but this really is part one, how the Holy Spirit specifically led them to that place at that time. Let's get back into to verse 6, which, which went like this. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Verse 7, then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So he decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. <coughs> so I want you to notice, in, in verse 6, it said that the Holy Spirit prevented them from going to Phrygia or Galatia. And then in verse 7 it said, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go to Bithynia. And then in verse 9, Paul had a vision of this man pleading with him to come and help them in Macedonia. And here's the point I want to make. Paul and Silas were not there by accident. They hadn't missed God. The, the mess that they found themselves in was not, was not a consequence of disobedience. On the contrary, that they were right where God wanted them. In fact, he had specifically led them right there. And despite their obedience, despite their faithfulness, they found themselves being unjustly arrested and flogged and imprisoned. Now, in a rather strange way, we, we should find that rather reassuring. If you find yourself in a pickle, it may not be your own fault. You, you might not be 
out of the will of God as, as your friends are telling you, as the enemy is certainly telling you. In fact, you might be exactly where he wants you, even if it's not quite how you mapped it out in your dreams. You know, Paul and Silas are our New Testament heroes. They were slap bang in the middle of God's will for them. Look what happened to them. So when we pray our dangerous prayers, when we surrender, when we obey, it won't necessarily all be roses and champagne and chocolate hearts. And if that's your expectation, you are in for some disappointment. You see, bumps in the road are not just the, the unfortunate, inevitable reality of life in this fallen world. It may well be the direct consequence of faithfully following the Lord to the letter. <clears throat> that, that bump may be exactly where the Lord is leading you in pursuit of his purposes. See, as we, as we mature as Christians, we learn that the fulfilled life is found in obeying the Holy Spirit in pursuit of his purposes. Sometimes there will be a personal cost. And I'm convinced that, that a telling sign of maturity is a willingness to pay that price for a greater win. What did Jesus say? Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The good news is if God leads you in, he will also lead you out. But the God who directs our feet straightens our paths. And Paul and Silas demonstrate here how to push straight through. And what they did next shows us how to conduct ourselves in the middle of that perceived setback. And that leads to my second thought. A bit corny, I know, but it goes like this. Your attitude determines your altitude. That verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouts to him, stop! Don't kill yourself, we're all here! The jailer called for light and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, what must I do to be saved? As we read through this passage, remember I said it's your, your attitude, not your, the determines your altitude. There are three distinct and positive attitudes I think that Paul and Silas chose here. 
And number one is praise when the overwhelming temptation would have been to moan and groan and lick their wounds. That was attitude number one. Attitude number two is grace when it hurts. When it's tough. When it's costly. When it's, when it's counterintuitive. And then the third one is, is attentiveness to redemption. Never know when the opportunities for redemption are right around the next corner. Let's work our way quickly through, through those first one. Praise when the overwhelming temptation is to moan and groan and lick your wounds. Verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Let's just stop, pause, and put this into the context. Our heroes had just been stripped and beaten, and the text says, severely flogged. I don't know about you, I don't particularly fancy unsevely flogged. And then after that, they were unceremoniously dumped into the local dungeon. You've got to remember, this is 2,000 years before prisoner rights charters. <coughs> that prison would have been dark and dirty and damp and smelly. There would have been no natural light. There was probably excrement flowing along the floor and rats crawling up the walls. It doesn't get much bleaker than that. If ever there was an opportunity for them to justifiably feel sorry for themselves, this was it. And I reckon most would have started groaning and grumbling and complaining. They would have held a pity party. They would have started to play the blame game, probably turned against each other. But not Paul and Silas. What did they do? Instead, they began Praise. Again, let's imagine ourselves there. There was no worship team. There were no dim lights. No warm fuzzies. There was even no Holy Spirit pad. For them, lying on that prison floor, praise was uncomfortable and inconvenient. And yet their proud was loud, praise was loud and bold. It was strong and shameless. I don't know whether they, they felt like it, but they let it rip anyway. Key word, anyway. And as we'll see in a minute, as the story unfolds, that the huge encouragement to them and to us was how quickly that praise turned into supernatural breakthrough. Actually, number one, praise when the temptations do the complete opposite. Number two is grace when it hurts. Verse 28, stop, don't kill yourselves, we are all here. Verse 32, and they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. Now it's easy to be gracious to the kind. <coughs> it's easy to love the lovely and lovable. But we are talking about their very worst day. 
Do you know, I reckon once those prison doors flew open, I would have been out of there. And the jailer might well have caught the lashing trail of my tongue. However, grace is not an option for a sunny day. Grace is a calling for the ransomed soul. We love because he first loved us. We forgive because he has totally and unreservedly forgiven us. Grace is not a whimsical, emotive choice we make when we feel like it. Grace is clothing that we put on as followers of our Lord and Saviour Jesus. And then actually number three is attentiveness to redemption. Verse 30, when he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who live in his household. Remember, point one, the Holy Spirit will lead you into the purposes of God, not necessarily your own personal comfort. And redemption and reconciliation and restoration are the purposes of God. That is demonstrated by the works of Jesus, Zacchaeus, up that sycamore tree, the woman caught in adultery, Peter, once he denied Jesus, ourselves even, and our own personal salvation. And the point is this, as we mature in faith, to tell you we're all trying to be on, as we mature in faith, we should start to be on the lookout for higher things. And it becomes less about, about my preferences or, or, or my personal wins. It becomes more about his kingdom purposes. It becomes less about my comfort, my promotion or my vindication more about how the other person finds their way to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is a redeemer. Redemption is what he does. Redemption is what he purposes. And redeeming things is our calling. And so, those three attitudes, remember, in our story, Paul and Silas chose to pray probably against the strong tug of their aching, throbbing flesh and their weeping distress of. Paul and Silas chose grace when it would have been easier to build walls or to lash out or to run away. Paul and Silas were attentive to redemption, curious about what God might do this time. And so they got to enjoy watching a succession of supernatural interventions. Okay, I'll need to move on here. Number three, thought number three, kind of related, they're interconnected here. Number three is praise is one of the primary keys to breakthrough. Yeah, I might have picked up that thread during praise and worship this morning. And for me, this has to be a stake in the ground story. 
You know, praise is not just the first three songs we sing on a Sunday morning that we do. It's not just pop in your favorite worship CD and it'll make you feel a little better. Praise is a powerful action that changes things. You don't look convinced. Praise is a powerful action that changes things. Just quickly, list for the sake of time, just five things that praise does. Number one, praise changes your perspective. It helps you to see through God's eyes. It takes your eyes off self and onto God. Off your problems and onto the solution. Off the opposition and onto the victory. Second thing praise does it. Make sure that Jesus is seated on the throne of your life where he belongs. You let go and you put him back in control. And you make that shift from pride to humility. <coughs> from resistance to submission. From leading to following. Third thing praise does is declares and releases the word of God. It builds faith. It stirs passion. It, it activates promises. It cultivates agreement. And it invites the Holy Spirit. Number four, praise shifts the spiritual atmosphere. All of these things were happening in this story. It literally lifts demonic oppression. It resists and repels the enemy. And it opens you up to blessing and the gracious favor of heaven. It creates a climate ripe for miracles. And the fifth thing that praise does is it breaks fleshly resistance and thus opens the door to the Holy Spirit. And praise, we know, is a sacrifice. It might cost us a bit. It requires a humbling. It requires a submitting. It requires a stepping out from behind that self-protective, reluctant wall. And when you do that, that gives the Holy Spirit access. And God is able to move. And God is able intervene. In summary, and I'm sure Paul and Silas knew this full well, if they did it before this account, they certainly did afterwards, is that praise positions you for breakthrough. That's you singular, and that's us, plural. This is why we intentionally begin every service with praise. Because you know, praise produces a particular fruit. Just as choosing to do the opposite produces its own fruit in kind. And if we learn anything from Paul and Silas' story, it's that praising should be our default response. Even on our worst day. Verse 26, suddenly there was a massive earthquake 
and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Want to see your prison doors open? Want to see your chains fall off? Want to see their chains fall off? Need a miracle? Need an atmospheric change? Need a breakthrough? Then it's time to start praising. Not yet, because I've got one more point. <laughs> point five wrap up. Number four. The purposes of God are deep waters, and sometimes we can only see into the shallows. Let's read the rest of the story. Verse 31, they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his house. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptised. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let these men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials will say, you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. But Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without trial and put us in prison and da, 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 we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. Milk in it now. <laughs> Verse 38. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned for home with Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. And then they left town. So you're in that dungeon. It's dark and it's damp. You are sore and sorry. You feel discouraged and defeated. Those four walls have enclosed around you and are all you can see. All hope has been lost. Or has it? Or has it? Maybe, just maybe, there's more going on. Maybe, just maybe, God is at work in ways you cannot see. Maybe, just maybe, there are more wins at stake than just the one you can see right before your eyes. The God who says he is for you, not against you. Who has called you more than a conqueror. The one who is able to do far more than you can ask or think, or imagine. The purposes of God are deep waters. Sometimes we can only see into the shallows. What did Paul say? We know only in part. We see through the glass dimly. But his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. There are eternal destinies. There are heavenly purposes. There are ever-increasing degrees of glory at stake. 
Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. One of Paul and Silas was singing this one. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. But you know what? It's so easy to lean. It's so tempting to lean. We can train ourselves to lean on our own understanding. But our job is to trust the God who is mighty. God who is able. You see, our God, our job is to submit. His job is to make our path straight. Our job is to praise. It's his job to open the prison doors wide. Our job is to offer grace. It's his job to redeem. And in this story, everyone got saved. Paul and Silas were first of all freed, then they were pardoned and even vindicated. They started off eating dirt off the dungeon floor and they ended up feasting in the warden's private residence. Faith exploded. New friendships were birthed, a baptismal pool even gone out of God was glorified in legendary ways. Okay. Whew. Great story. Oh, it's a great story. So, how, how do we respond to that? Well, I've been taught essentially that, that every message calls forth some form of worship. And I reckon we've got some choices out of this story, partly because I've thrown so much material out of it. So three possible worshipful responses. Number one is consecration. It goes something like this. Lord, I'm ready to go wherever you take me. Whatever the cost. Crazy prayer. Dangerous prayer. Bold prayer. I want to choose kingdom purpose over personal Maybe that's the response that's stirring in your heart this morning. Consecration. Lord, I'm ready to go. Like Paul and Silas, wherever, wherever you call me to go, even if it may be a tad uncomfortable when I get there because there is kingdom purpose at stake. Number one. Number two is repentance. Which is this, Lord, I've had a bad attitude. And I need to get it right before you. We read, didn't we? How Paul and Silas, on their worst day, in that deep, dark place, their attitude right before God. And God blessed them as a result of that. <coughs> Whether you're in a prison or you're not, it is just possible, maybe over this last season, maybe over some while, you've allowed some bad attitudes to, to fester and grow in your heart. No, we are called to choose praise. We're called to choose grace. We are called to surrender. We are called to trust. We are called to choose Him. So 
number one is consecration. Number two, maybe a repentance. Maybe you need an attitude shift today. And then number three, what kind of worshipful response does this message require? Shock horror. Here we go. Great surprise. Number three, praise. Don't be so shocked. Lord, I am in that prison cell and I am ready to praise my way out. What's the lie my brother uses? People who looked at my brother in the eye, this John who's coming next Sunday. Be warned. Not for the faint-hearted. You won't be faint-hearted by the time you finish. You'll be flat out with the power of the Holy Spirit. Anyway, my brother says, being said, John, you're not going to be able to sing your way out of this one. John's lying. Watch me. Watch me. So here's a line. I'm Lord, I'm in that prison cell and I'm ready to praise my way out. I'm going to choose light over dark. I'm going to choose truth over lies. I'm going to choose hope over despair. I'm going to choose singing over sulking. Did you like that one? 